name. Amen. Amen. Welcome, everyone. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. I don't think I preach on a Sunday morning in two weeks. Is that right? Something like that. Uh, uh, it feels weird. Uh, I really would rather be home than any place else preaching with you all. You're, uh, you're, you're, my, you're my people. God bless you. Welcome to you. If you're in the cafe this morning, love you guys. Open your Bibles, everybody, to Matthew chapter 14. Let's jump right in. Matthew chapter 14. How many of you like to do scary things? Hands up. You like to do stuff. Yeah, man, <laughs> you people over here. Yeah, like, now it doesn't mean you're not afraid. It's just that sometimes we learn that even though you're afraid, it doesn't mean it's not worth doing. So some of us have just learned to do scary things. Like what, any bungee jumpers in the house? How many of you have bungee jumped? One, two, three. Casey, you've bungee jumped really Where were you? Yeah. Was it awesome? Were you scared? Were you scared? Yeah. Was it worth it? Would you do it again? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, anybody jumped out of a plane like parachute? Anybody jumped out of a plane? Skydiving? Yeah. Yeah? Pa- Paula, have you really? Yeah. Where were you? When? On purpose? Yeah. <laughs> 40th birthday gift to yourself. Jumped out of a plane. Was that wild? It was awesome. You do it again? No. No. <laughs> Yeah, y'all are killing my sermon. Just totally killing it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Bungee jumping, skydiving, whatever left out. Oh, zipline? Zipline people? You zipline? Yeah, lots of zipliners. Okay, on purpose. Yeah. Nancy McElroy, you ziplined? What are you like 90? That's awesome. <laughs> Would you do it again? You do it again today. Yeah, awesome. LP, they put those zip lines across Lost River Valley up there at Lost River. You and Nancy have something to do this afternoon. Yeah, that'll be great. Matthew chapter 14. I actually love all of that kind of thing. That doesn't mean I'm brave. I'm the biggest chicken ever. I mean, I really, really am. But I've just simply learned that you can't let fear stop you from having fun. Fear and fun go together. So I, I, you know, I've heard me say it a thousand times. I love roller coasters. It's why I love roller coasters. Now, they scare me to death. I mean, I'm screaming like a woman. Ah! But, but I absolutely love it. I love that moment when you get to the top of the hill, that first big hill. I, I hate that click, 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 click. I mean, it just takes forever to get to the top. And then you cross the top, and there's a moment when you are completely weightless. You know what I mean? Because you're going from climbing up to dropping down. And I love that. I mean, this is why they have a shoulder harness, because, you, you know, you'd fly out. There's that moment when you just begin to drop, and you float. You're completely weightless. And I love that. I mean, I mean, absolutely, you know, my, my large intestines in my throat, I mean, it's just scary. My heart stops. I mean, it's why they tell you if you're pregnant, you know, don't do this. Uh, I just love it. Oh, I love it so much. I love that, that speed. Uh, I love being up high. I'm not saying I'm not scared of it. It scares me to death, but I love that feeling of fear and fun all mixed together. You ever been to the circus and watch the trapeze artists? Yeah, the, 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 the guys on the trapeze and the ladies, it's really an f- amazing kind of art that they perform. They say that the relationship between the flyer and the catcher is very, very important. Now, who do you think has the most important job or the hardest job, the flyer or the catcher? It, they're both very important jobs, but it's the flyer 
in some ways, who has the, the, the most difficult job. I mean, the, the catcher is strong, and the catcher's going to catch, but it is the flyer who has to turn loose. It's the flyer who has to turn loose with the trapeze and for a moment hang in the air. As you know, uh, the opportunity to hang there is very, very short. I mean, gravity does its work 100% of the time. But the flyer's job is to let go and then arc in the, in, in the air, just hanging there in the nothingness. Just arc your body and wait. You have to be perfectly still and you just have to wait to be caught. And that moment between letting go and waiting to be caught is the most important moment there. That's the moment when you cannot panic. That's the moment when you can't decide, you know, to change your mind and try to get back to the trapeze. You don't get to do that. All you can do at that moment is let go, hang there, and wait to be caught. Now, I don't know if you've ever imagined any moment like that in your life, that moment between letting go and waiting to be caught. But I'm telling you, it's those kinds of moments, the places in between, the the places in between security and, and danger, those places in between where you wait, where you hang there in the nothingness. These are the moments that your life of faith is made of. And honestly, in those places in between letting go and and waiting to be caught, those are the moments when you will encounter Jesus in the most alive ways. So Matthew chapter 14, let's go to it. Let's talk about faith and fear today. I love this. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 is where we'll start. It's right after the feeding of the 5,000. And the scripture says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Okay, I know you've heard this story before. In Sunday school, there was a flannel graph where they had a little flannel Jesus and they showed him walking on the waves. You've learned not to be amazed by this, but stop for a moment and remember to be amazed by this. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. (laughs) Would y'all do this? Would you be Peter here? Would you even think of this? You see, Jesus walk in the water and said, okay, if it's really you, I want to do that too. Would that even occur to you? So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Okay, what did Peter just do? Don't miss this. What's he do? Jesus, Jesus walks on the water. Jesus says, Peter, come on. And what does Peter do? Peter walks on the water. He walks on the water. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. What he really said was something like, you know, something more like that. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. 
Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. And after they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. You have so little faith, Jesus said. John Ortberg, great pastor, great author, tells a story about a birthday gift that his wife gave him. She gave him a ride in a hot air balloon. Any hot air balloon people ever ridden in a balloon? Melissa, was that awesome? Is it amazing? Yeah, John Ortberg says that it was. He says he had many, many emotions in the, in the hot air balloon, but one of them was fear. John Ortberg said he, it, it was sort of terrifying. He stepped into the basket, which he thought would be higher, but the basket itself wasn't quite as deep as he anticipated. It just felt a little bit, a little bit higher than his knees, and he was just sort of worried that he could just fall out. But, but still, he stepped into the basket. They started their amazing ascent, rising into the sky, higher than he thought he would go. And, and there they hung in this little bitty basket just dangling from a balloon. He really was afraid, uh, excited, uh, I mean amazed, but, but afraid, and he was hanging, you know, hanging on to all the ropes in the place, and uh, he decided that if he's going to be you know, hanging out here in this balloon, he probably ought to get to know the pilot a little bit. There was a pilot, and so he, he asked the guy, just trying to make conversation, trying to distract himself, he just said, so how, how, how'd you get into flying balloons? Probably never should have asked that, that question. So the, the guy said this, first words out of mouth. He said, well, dude, it's like this. Okay, if your hotter balloon pilot says, dude, you're in so much trouble. He said, dude, it's like this. I was unemployed. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I was unemployed. Mostly what I was doing was surfing. Okay, your hotter balloon pilot is a surfer dude. You, you, you get this? He said, but then one night, you know, I was, I was driving my pickup truck, and I'll be honest, I had a little bit too much to drink. <laughs> okay, are you following this now? You're in a hotter balloon being piloted by a surfer dude who tends to drink too much. He said, I wrecked my truck. I wrecked my truck and, and totaled the truck, but the worst part was my brother was in the truck with me, and, and my brother was badly injured. He was paralyzed from that day on. Okay, is this helping you in the balloon now? Is this helping you? Said, and I felt so bad because, you know, I had wrecked the truck, you know, having drunk too much and had my brother and my brother was now paralyzed. So I took up, you know, hotter balloons to give him something to watch. You feeling better now about, about any of this? He said, but now I'll be honest with you. Uh, if it's a little bumpy coming down today, I've never flown this kind of balloon. <laughs> all right. So to summarize, all right, your hotter balloon pilot got into flying balloons because he wrecked his pickup truck from drinking too much. He's an unemployed surfer, uh, now with a paralyzed brother who was injured in the accident. To give him something to watch, he took up hotter balloon piloting, but he's never flown this particular kind of balloon before, so hang on, it could be bumpy. Yeah. John Ortberg tells that story only to illustrate the point that you must be able to trust your pilot. In this uh, this uh, incredible ride we call life, understand we are all sort of in this balloon called the planet Earth, and we are circling the sun at an actually an amazing rate of speed. And, and sometimes it might occur to you to ask, is, is there anybody actually piloting this thing? 
Is there anybody actually who has this whole world in his hands? Is there a pilot? And because honestly, when you are in flight, when you're taking the ride of your life, it really does come down to the character and the competency of your pilot. You must be able to trust your pilot. And honestly, there is a pilot. There is one who has this whole thing in his hands. There is one who is piloting this ride that you're on called your life. And you really must learn to to trust him. So understand a few things here. We're talking about the life of faith. And faith involves risk. It always involves risk. Faith is always having to do with the things that eyes can't see and hands can't touch. It always has to do with having to step out somehow into the impossible, the invisible, the indescribable. Faith always involves risk. Now, the longer that some of us live this life of faith, honestly, the intention is that our faith would grow. God is always trying to stretch and grow your faith. The problem is some of us, the longer we, we, we say that we walk with the Lord, the longer we live this life of faith, our faith doesn't always grow but because we begin to start shrinking back from everything that entails risk. We, we stop being willing to take the risk for the simple reason that risk involves fear. Understand? So faith and fear have this really interesting kind of interrelationship. You really can't have one without the other. Fear is kind of an ingredient in faith because fear has to do with risk and risk has to do with faith. So you can't really have faith without fear. But at the very same time, you can't let fear paralyze your faith. Because if fear makes you stop taking risks, then understand if you're no longer willing to take a risk, then you can't walk by faith anymore. Faith involves risk. Risk involves fear. These things are all mixed up together. Now, I understand, I'm talking to people, some of whom have been walking with Jesus for years and years and years and years and years. But honestly, you haven't stepped into a challenge, you haven't tried anything impossible, you haven't even prayed for anything impossible in years and years and years and years. And that's why I'm calling you back to Matthew chapter 14. You need to get into this boat with the disciples and relearn something about faith and fear. Faith and fear. Back to the beginning of the story. Immediately after this, and this is the feeding of the 5,000, so the disciples themselves have just had this front row seat on this most amazing miracle. They know. Some of the crowd might have no idea that they just witnessed a miracle, that they just literally ingested miracle bread and fish. They might have no idea, but the disciples know. They know what they started with. They know what they started with, what they put in Jesus' hands. They know that Jesus did the impossible. He multiplied the bread and fish, and then he put it in their hands, and they served it. I mean, if nobody else saw, they saw. They ought to know what Jesus can do. And immediately after this, Jesus puts them in the boat and says, we're going to the other side. Now, when Jesus puts you in a boat and says, you're going to the other side of the lake, What's about to happen? You're going to get in a boat and you're going to go to the other side of the lake. Is that a question? Is there anything that Jesus doesn't know? Or would Jesus, you know, play a joke on you, put you in the boat, shove you off the other side of the lake, but you're never going to make it? Jesus doesn't do these things. You can trust him. You can trust the pilot. Understand? So when Jesus puts you in a boat and says you're going to the other side of the lake, then you're going to the other side of the lake. There's no question here. There's never any question. 
when you're following Jesus. However, following Christ doesn't give you a detour around difficulties. This is where some of us get confused. We think if Jesus puts you in the boat and says, now you're going to the other side, you're thinking it's going to be like one of those Royal Caribbean cruises. You're thinking there will be a buffet. You're thinking that there will be, you know, smooth sailing. You're thinking there will be, you know, unicorns and dolphins and, you know, mermaids. And you're thinking this is going to be like, you know, somebody playing a ukulele on the back of the boat. You're just going to, you know, work on your tan and then arrive. But that's not how it works. If you're thinking that, that only tells me you haven't walked with Jesus very far. Because I'm telling you, following Christ does not give you a detour around difficulties. Now, Jesus puts you in the boat. Jesus says you're going to the other side. So you're going to the other side. No question. You will arrive. But you may have to go through some stuff. We always act surprised when we have to go through stuff. We always act like something must be wrong. That, that surely we didn't hear Jesus right, or, or Jesus doesn't know where we are, that Jesus didn't see this coming. I mean, we just have this tendency to lose our minds when things get difficult. But I'm telling you, things just get difficult. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Don't be surprised. There's nothing gone off plan here. Following Christ doesn't give you a detour around difficulty. So the disciples are in the boat going to the other side, just like Jesus said. But, but, but verse 24, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. A strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, understand several things. First off, this is a small boat with, with men who understand the sea. These are men who know how to row. They know how to sail. They, they know wind. They know waves. But at the same time, they know that this is dangerous. Because they know, they know that they're in danger. And make no mistake, the danger is real. The waves are real. The wind is real. The, the, the danger is real. Add to that, of course, everything that we know about just you know, Jewish folklore. We know, for example, that the Jews often associated the sea as the realm of the devil. That they thought of the sea as a place where, 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 where evil just sort of had this freedom, this, this, this incredible prerogative and priority. So when, when the disciples are out here on the, on the boat and the waves begin to roar and shriek, I mean, they, they think of demons, they think of the devil, that they really, really fear that, that they're in trouble. And they are, that, that that danger is absolutely real. But about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Now, th this is amazing. Remember, Jesus had gone up on the mountain alone, completely alone to pray. But, but now, Jesus is walking on the water. Now, I know that doesn't surprise you. Jesus has walked on water your whole life. But, 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 but they didn't know. They didn't know that this was possible. They never even imagined that this was possible. So when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they, they were terrified. In, in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. I mean, they didn't know how to explain this. I mean, they, give them a break. They've never seen anything like this. They don't know how to explain this. It's, it's Jesus, but Jesus is walking on water. A human being can't walk on water. So at this point, they're just so afraid. that They, don't, they can hardly recognize him. And if, if it's really him, they don't know how to explain what he's doing. It must be a ghost. They're, they're terrified. But Jesus, 
But, but, but Jesus continues to, to walk toward them. Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. Don't be afraid. T -t Take courage. Don't be afraid. Now, I remind you, the danger is real. The storm is shrieking. The, I, mean, I mean, the wind is, is there. The waves are there. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Why does he say don't be afraid? Don't be afraid. Take courage. You're good sailors. You're good fishermen. You're going to row your way out of this. Stroke. 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 Is this what Jesus says? Don't be afraid. Take courage. This storm ain't so bad. It's not so bad. Chris Allen said it's not even going to rain today. Don't worry. Take courage. It's not going to be that bad. Don't worry. Take courage. There are life jackets beneath each of your seats. If it's reached down, your seat cushion becomes a flotation device. Is that what Jesus said? In the event of a, a, a water evacuation, your, your seat cushion, is, is that what Jesus said? No. Because none of those things matter. Those aren't the things that are going to give you courage. You don't get your courage from the fact that the weather, maybe the storm's about to pass, or maybe I'm a better rower than I think, or maybe my seat cushion will be afloat. No, no, no. Jesus gives you one good reason for courage. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. I, I am here. Take courage. I am here. The courage comes from the fact that Jesus is there. If Jesus is there with you in the storm, then, then you can take courage. Jesus, remember, has said you're going to the other side. The outcome of this is not in question, and Jesus is with you in the storm. Take courage. Your courage comes from him. Your courage comes from his promise. Your courage comes from the fact that this is the only man, this is the only man who has the power from God to command the storm. Take courage. So Peter, Peter says, all right, if it's really you, what? If it's really you, tell me to come. Okay, who does that? Who thinks like that? And I'll be okay, if it's really you, I'm thinking of a number between one and 10. I mean, that's what I'll be doing. You know, I mean, something's safe. If, if, if it's really you, I'm, I'm holding up how many fingers behind my back? I mean, this is Peter's idea of a test. If it's really you, I want to come out there with you. Now, that's awesome. That's awesome. Something tells me Peter doesn't have a whole lot of doubt about who it is. Because the proof demands that he step out onto water. Now, there's still a storm raging. There's still wind blowing. And Peter says, if it's you, I'm coming out there with you. And that's something. Okay, here we go. A couple of principles. Number one, when you are afraid, do the scary thing. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. When you are afraid, do the scary thing. When you are afraid, do the scary thing. Do this one. If Jesus would do it, you do it too even if it's scary. If Jesus would do it, you do it too. Even if it scares you. Peter says, if that's you, I'm doing it too. Wow. Now that is following Jesus right there. And that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Jesus, if you would do it, I'm doing it too. Is it scary? You bet it's scary. Is it worth it? You bet it's worth it. 
Now, now that's amazing. And understand, it, it's the space between. It's the space between where the miracle happens. And by space between, I mean that space between the boat and where Jesus is. This isn't one of those deals where Peter, you know, just kind of like gets out and just like jumps in Jesus's arms and never has to, never has to actually put his feet down on the waves. No, 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 no. Peter walks on water. There is this space, this, this, this distance that Peter goes when he is literally a walking miracle. He walks on water. We miss that. We go straight to the place where he sinks because we knew he wanted, we knew he was going to sink. And deep down, we wanted him to sink. Deep down, we can't wait for him to go under because honestly, if Peter's able to do this, if Jesus is able to let Peter walk on water, then what does that say for you and me? Oh, he does it. He does it. If it's really you, let me come out there and do it too. And Jesus says, go ahead. Go ahead. If you're afraid, do the scary thing. Me and Nancy McRoy standing out there about to zip line, y'all. Understand that? Her hairdo up in like this, you know. Getting up there, her purse over her shoulder, you know, polyester pantsuit. Ah, you know, not amazing, not amazing. Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to live like that? Paula Sleeman giving herself a fortieth, fortieth birthday present. She jumps out of an airplane. What'd you do on your fortieth birthday? You went to White Castle. Okay, equally dangerous, I admit. <laughs> equally dangerous. I, I retract that. You're brave. <laughs> yeah, you could have you blown up. Man. Monster under the bed. Monster under the bed. It's scary. So what do you do? You look. I mean, you, know, you do this scary thing. You face that. You just got to look. You got to, I mean, most everything you've ever done in your life that was worth doing, right? It was scary. Remember that, that, that time you, wanted, you had to invite that girl out on that first date and you had to call her, text her, whatever y'all do these days. Text her, call her. Man, that is so scary. Man, the night I was going to tell Casey Wilson how I felt about her, it was pouring down rain. I stood out in the parking lot. We talked till like 3 in the morning. You know why, you know why we talked so long? Because I didn't know how to tell her. Man, I talked about everything. Man, I was filling up, you know, I was, you know, hey, you know, what about the, you know, what about, the, you know, Cincinnati Reds? I don't even know baseball, but, you know, just like keeping her here. I was scared to death. And, and then I said, you know, I, you know, I, I think maybe, I think, I think I'm feeling, you know, like, like maybe we could be more than friends. And she just looks at me. So, well, okay, it's getting late. <laughs> this is true, y'all. So, it's so awkward, you know. It was so awkward. And it's pouring down rain. And I was just like, okay, well, never mind. <laughs> I did. I said, forget I said that. Because she didn't say anything. She was looking at me. I said, I'm sorry. You know, I feel, I'm sorry I feel this way. Forget I said it. You know, we'll just be friends. And she just let me, like, keep apologizing. 
And then finally, you know, I mean, she let me just hang out there, you know, like the trapeze guy. <laughs> wow, so scary, you know. But sometimes you just gotta, you, you gotta just step into the conversations that seem really scary. I and mean, sometimes, you know, you've just gotta quit the job. You just gotta quit the job because you know that God's telling you to do something else. You just gotta quit. And that is so scary. I mean, whew, just hanging out there on nothing. I mean, it's like stepping out of the boat into the storm. Like, who does that? Well, anybody who's gonna follow Christ is gonna have to do this sort of thing. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's the life of faith. Faith involves risk, and you're going to have to take some risk. And, and absolutely, the danger is real. I mean, the danger is real. You could absolutely hang there and then drop. You could absolutely step out of the boat and bloop. I mean, it happens. That, that danger is absolutely real. But if Jesus would do it, you've got to do it too. You just have to trust him. You can trust the pilot. So Peter says, if it's you, I'm going to do it too. Jesus says, come on, Bubba. All right. It's sort of the next little principle here, but it's important. When the Lord gives you the go-ahead, go ahead. All right? When the Lord gives you the go-ahead, go ahead. Now, there's a lot involved in this sentence here. When the Lord gives you the go-ahead. Lots of times we jump, but we never involve the Lord. We're just sort of jumpers by nature. Some of us do this. So it's not really like the Lord gave us the go-ahead. It's like we, we jump out of the boat. We jump out of the airplane. Ah, they were like, hey, God, I just jumped out of an airplane. So help me. You know, that's what we do. We don't wait for no go-ahead. We just jump, and then we start just like informing God now how he's got to rescue us because we're stupid. We're not talking about the life of stupidity here. It's a life of faith, and that's different. That's different. The life of faith always lives in relation with the Lord, the object of our faith. So I don't jump till he says jump. I don't do anything till I know exactly what he's leading me to do. But there's a point when I know. I know exactly what he's asking me to do. And it is scary. It's going to scare the life out of me. But when he gives me the go ahead, I got to go ahead. Again, honestly, a lot of us, we just do stuff. And then we pray. And I, just, I knew God wouldn't be there. God ain't going to follow you someplace stupid. I mean, you know, you do stupid things, you suffer consequences. Don't, don't live like that recklessly without any reference to the Lord. And this is always expecting he'll come around behind and sweep up your mess. It's not what we're talking about here. It's not a life of recklessness. It's not a life of ignorance. It's not a life where you do what you want to do and then demand that God somehow always come up and rescue you. It's not what we're talking about. Peter said, if it's you... Then I want to do it too. And what does Jesus say? Come. Jesus says, come. Jesus gives the go ahead. And so Peter goes ahead. That's how it works. Now, some of us go ahead without ever talking to Jesus. And then we, you know, we, we want him to come behind. And others of us were like, okay, Jesus, if, you, if it's really you, you tell me to come. And Jesus says, all right, come on. And then you say, Okay, if it's really you, and you really want me to come, then let John also come with me. And if it's really you, and you really want me to come, then I'm thinking of a number between 1 and 10. And, and if you really want me to come, then, then I need you to, to provide a scuba, scuba gear, a mask. I, 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 I need a, what's it called? Snorkel? Any floaties? You know? 
And the truth is, you're not listening at all. Yeah, you're not really living a life of obedience there. I mean, I mean, when the Lord gives you the go-ahead, you go ahead. You leap. You jump. You get out of the boat. You got no floaties. You got no snorkel. You just go because Jesus said go. And if Jesus says go, then understand, he's going to take care of you. No snorkel is necessary. You got Jesus. And he says come, so you just come. This is what faith looks like. You just eventually got to stop the whole, okay, prove it to me, prove it, okay. If you want me to come, then you got to, you tell my wife to tell me that I should do it. You know, or you also got to like, if if you're calling me, then I need you to call the whole church and and let them all encourage me. No, I'm not talking about the whole church. We're talking about you, you. And when Jesus says go, you go, you go, stop. You don't have to keep talking. I have to keep, you just go. Lord gives you the go ahead, go ahead. Understand? Go ahead. Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. He walked, he walked on the water. How many of you ever tried this as a kid? Man, I did. I'd say, okay, Jesus, I want to walk on the water. You know, I'm at the Franklin, you know, pool way back in the day. You know, and I just like, like faith. You know, you know, every time. But Peter stepped out of the boat, you all, and stood there on water. And then he walked. Can you imagine that? Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But but, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said, why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. A couple of things. This one's obvious. When you start to sink, ask for help. When you start to sink, ask for help. And Peter stepped out. He walked. He went some distance, man. I, I don't know what came over him. I, I don't know exactly what happened. I know what would happen to me. I, I mean, once I'm doing it, man, I would be so about doing it. I mean, I'd be, I'd be you know, I mean, I would be so all over walking on the water. That, that, that would be me. I'd be back at, you know, I'd be like doing a selfie, you know, on the water. I, I would be looking back at all the people in the boat, you know, like, look at me. I mean, that, that would be me. Or, or maybe Peter just, you know, the waves. And, and it's like he's doing it. He was almost doing it before he realized what he was doing. And then once he realized what he's doing, he's like, oh, no. You ever done that? It's like, oh, no. <laughs> what am I doing? What was I thinking? He began to sink. I don't know if he's like, boop. Or if it's just a slow, <laughs> agonizing, you know, this feeling of, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. But one or the other, he just cries out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus just reaches down, picks him back up. Now, understand that. When you reach down and picks him back up, what happens next? They walk back, y'all. They walk back. Reached out and grabbed him. You have a little faith. He said, why did you doubt me? And then they climbed back into the boat. They walk back. It's not like Jesus, you know, like, 
you know, like when I do an infant dedication, you know, Jesus carrying Peter back. No, he picks him back up and puts his feet back on the water, and, and they walk back together. Peter walks on water, you all. Now, a couple of things. A couple of things to notice. I, I keep emphasizing this when I read it in verse 29. Peter went out of the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. When he saw the strong wind and the waves, see, it's still going. The wind and the waves, man, they've never stopped. He was terrified, began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. <laughs> okay. Maybe Jesus should work on his timing of things just a little bit. You know, I mean, Peter's out there sinking and drowning. Lord, save me. I mean, I'd be good. I'm just going, okay, hold it. Peter, stop. And I, I mean, I would need that. I'd want that. But, but no. Jesus does all this with the wind, the waves blowing. I mean, the storm never settled down. It never stopped. The people in the boat, they've been scared this whole time. I mean, the storm never stopped. Never stop. And all this ordeal with Peter, Peter walking on the waves, it's stormy waves, it's wind, it's, it's bad. Peter drowns, his, Lord save me, Jesus, picks him back up, puts him back on the waves, it's still a storm. I mean, I, I would think that maybe Jesus would, would stop all this storm, settle things down to give Peter just a little bit of confidence, but no, Jesus didn't have to stop anything to do what he wanted to do. He still mastered the storm. He's master of you. He doesn't have to calm the waves. He doesn't have to stop the wind. He doesn't have to do any of that in order to do what he wants to do. The wind stops. The waves settle down once they're back in the boat. It's almost like that was Jesus' plan from the very beginning. So it's that, uh, it's that skinny space in between. That moment when you, you sort of have to step out. Now, the boat is scary too. I mean, there's a storm. I mean, there's no guarantee in the boat, but at least, you know, it's solid. You got oars. You got flotation. You, you got something. But man, when you step out, you got nothing but Jesus. Understand? You got nothing but Jesus. As the old preachers used to say, you'll never really know that Jesus is all you need. Until Jesus is all you got. You step out. Man, would Jesus ask you to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, kind of all the time. This isn't just a rare moment for people who are going to make the Bible. I mean, this is kind of the life of faith. You're going to be doing this one way or another your whole life every day. Because our tendency is to want to be comfortable. Our tendency is to want to be in some kind of boat. If there's a storm in water, we want some kind of boat. But Jesus says, no, no, just come to me. Come, come. And then there's this moment, the space in between where, where you're out of the boat, but not yet quite to Jesus. You've let go, but you're still waiting to be taken hold of. You understand? It's like, it's like you're letting go and, and you're flying through the air and you're still waiting to be caught. It's that moment when, when honestly, you, you can taste the risk and you know that you could drown. You know that the waves are real. You know the wind ain't stopping. All you can do is trust him. I'm telling you, in those moments when all you can do is trust him, that's when you learn to trust him. You need this. More than anything in the world, more than safety, more than comfort, 
You need a little bit of risk. You need some fear. Twas grace that taught my heart to what? Fear. And grace my fears relieved. So, you've been walking with Jesus a long time or maybe just a short time. I just want to remind you, this is what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be asked to do some hard things, some scary things. One of these days, Jesus may look at you and say, it's time for you to get out of that boat. Walk on the water. But understand, Peter did it. Jesus said, come on. Peter stepped out and he walked. He also sank. He did. And he, you know, nearly drowned. He, he did. But Jesus saved him. And when that was over, he walked back on water. You walked back on water. Peter can do it because of Jesus, and you can too, but you will have to learn to let go. Pray with me. Jesus, we are boat people. In this old sanctuary, Lord, it's like a big old boat, and we are in this boat, Lord. And some of us, Lord, we've been in this boat for a long, long time. In our seat, our oar in hand, our flotation divide under our backside, Lord, we are here. We are sitting. We are comfortable. Sometimes the storm rages. Sometimes we get some, some sense of you're doing something out there, Lord, but we just are boat people. We float. We row. We sail. We work on our tans, Lord, but... Uh, It doesn't always cross our minds that we might be called to step out of the comfort of the boat, join you out in the middle of the storm where you're actually doing your work. Lord, we say we believe in miracles, but we don't ever want to be in a situation that might require one. Just like the boat. We like these seats, padded pews with lumbar support. God. Call us. If it takes a storm to shake us out of our slumber, then a storm would be the best gift you could give us. If it takes wind and waves to cause us to call out to you. Lord, there are people I know in the sound of my voice today that are being stirred by this sermon, Lord, they know that you're calling them to step out, to take a leap of faith. Lord, I pray that today is the day. If you're giving them the go ahead, then I pray that today is the day they will go ahead. Quit the job. Make the call. Surrender their lives. Tell the world. God, we are often paralyzed by our fear. But Lord, I pray that today in the face of fear, we would yet choose to obey you. And in that life of obedience, we would find out what it really, really means to trust you. We would also learn how much power you actually have. Maybe it's time we learn. Maybe it's time we step out in faith. Give us grace, O Lord, to step out.
We pray in your precious name, Jesus.